I was recently looking at an article um, from The American Nurse. It was called Art, a Healing Tool for Nurses. And I just wanted to share the first paragraph of this article with you. Art relics have been found in the remains of the earliest human civilizations, from the paintings in caves, carved stones, and clay figures, to jewelry made of beads, metals, and gemstones. Artwork may be used for practical purposes, but often it's used for pleasure, decoration, worship, or divine protection. Art objects had special meaning to those who created them and for those who viewed, touched, adored, or worshipped them. We use art to record and share precious moments of beauty and wonders of the world, to visualize dreams and ideals, and to use a symbol of higher power for worship, healing, and prayers. Artwork seems to be an essential element for our psyche, our heart, and soul. So let me introduce myself. My name's Lucinda. I'm a healthcare accreditation coordinator, registered nurse, Navy veteran, and my side hustle is art. That's right. I'm an artist, and I can say that proud and loud because I for sure have earned the title. My favorite form of art to participate in is mural or public art because it reaches the most people. My goal as an artist is to change the viewer's mood with certain color combinations. Um, I'm an untrained artist and some have even described me as a folk or outsider artist. So I'm usually just using plain old primary colors. Although I have grown in the past few years and I'm starting to settle for a more muted palette when appropriate. No, no, I'm not. That last part we checked and that's a lie. I usually use the brightest, craziest colors that I can. So bright, in fact, that you may need sunglasses while viewing one of my murals. It's just who I am. I do have a couple of COVID art pieces I created during the start of the COVID-19 pandemic um, that I did not get really great feedback on. Um, they were named, it's a series, like a very small series of like three pieces and it's called Let's Face It. Um, so named by Steve Barney from Bay St. Louis, another fantastic artist, by the way. Um, this set, it was black. It's either black or white. Um, and they were made of sculpted masks with different expressions. It is definitely the creepiest piece I've ever made. And during the creation, it was so creepy in my house that I had to cover it up because it scared the heck out of me one night um, while it was drying in my living room. And that's for sure saying something because I went through a mild goth phase when I was stationed in New Orleans in the Navy. Anyway, let's get back on topic. I want to talk to you today about art because we recently went through our survey at my organization and I need a little breather on rules and regulations. Also, um, my opinion is that of my own and not necessarily that of my organization. I do this on my own on the side. I have no affiliation with CMS, Joint Commission, or any other accrediting body, just FYI. I will say I was pleased with our results from survey, but it's just not the height of excitement um, post-survey. It's all about getting things fixed, and it can be a rather stressful time sometimes. Talking about stress, I tend to carry the weight of the world on my shoulders for my family, and I have regular stress just like everyone else at work. Um, you know, life can be intense, and as women, um, well, me, as myself, I 
tend to multitask and put way more on my plate than I need to. My way to cope with the chaos is usually to get really physical, like scour, clean the house, um, go for a jog or hop on the longboard or bicycle. But, you know, more recently I've had issues with a little arthritis and whatnot, um, which has been like a freaking nightmare for me personally. So, you know, I create art as well. So I've been really focusing on my art the past year, I would say, although I've been painting for a really long time since I was 12. And I've been creating murals for about six years. Creating art can take your mind off everyday life. It's going to bring focus and mindfulness to an activity, and it's going to give your mind a much-needed break. It's like having a little escape, you know, like a little vacation, mini vacation. It's going to get your heart rate down. You're going to start to calm down. It's, it's a really good way to cope. Um, and it's better than having a drink of alcohol because there's no hangover. So what happens in our brains when we doodle, draw, or create? Or are you one of those people that say you can't draw a stick figure? That always gets on my nerves. I'm like, you have had somebody in your life say you suck at art or you suck at drawing, you know, and it's one of those things where it kind of ruins you. It crushes you um, in your childhood early. So you may feel like creating art is nerve wracking. Like, what are you going to make? What kind of paper? Is it going to be ink or pencil? What if it turns out a mess? Well, Studies show despite those fears, engaging in any sort of visual expression results in a reward pathway in the brain being activated. This means you will perceive this as a pos positive, pleasurable experience. Just getting out a pen and pad and doodling freely can increase blood flow to the brain. Studies show that cortisol levels are lowered after like 45 minutes of arty activity. Let's call it craftiness. The studies also show that it, it made no difference if someone was an experienced artist or a novice doodler. The results were the same. Art can be like meditation in that it helps you focus, again, deeply, or rather that it is the feeling that you get when you're in the zone. It has been described as like losing yourself and losing all awareness. Um, when this happens, you're actually getting increased theta wave activity in the frontal areas of the brain and moderate alpha wave activities in the frontal and central areas. Occasionally, I find myself getting lost in it, finally in the zone, not stressed out about what I'm doing, just being able to relax. And it's like reading a good book that you just can't put down. I got to see what happens. I got to see how this is going to develop. And you'll tend to lose all track of time sometimes. I went off on a little tangent um, during this research as well, um, and I found it interesting. I'm just not a fan of this next subject. I personally don't believe you can 100% judge what's going on in someone's head or judge their mental health regarding what colors a patient or a friend is choosing or what subject matter that is being drawn. I, I personally am more into listening to what someone is saying and looking at verbal and nonverbal cues. I found many psychotherapy and art therapy books that would beg to differ. And I mean, there's a, there's a time and place for these therapies. Um, so for example, one of the books was saying, and this is, it's true to an extent, 
it basically said children's children are usually going to rate bright colors as representing happiness while grays browns and other drab colors are going to be used to denote sadness or depression so let's go a little deeper with this subject while we're on it i am by no means an art therapist i'm just a plain old salty registered nurse so i'm no expert on the next topic i will say for the most part i just disagree um I'm allowed to have my own opinion as a human being, regardless of what research says. And yes, this is a heated topic for me. Um, have you ever heard of the PPAT Art Therapy Assessment? It stands for the Person Picking an Apple from a Tree Assessment. It's used to identify a patient's mental health systems and progress in art therapy. Personally, to me, there are too many variables that can affect trying to gather information this way. But in one paper, the authors hypothesized that endogenous depression, this to me is more like major depression, um, you know, like the world is a dark, sad place, and that's how you feel within yourself. And there's no good reason why you're sad. There was no trigger in comparison to exogenous depression, which usually surfaces after an event like a death in the family or losing your job. In other words, the world is a dark place because of the events happening around you or to you. There's a trigger. Anyway, back to the topic of endogenous depression in adults. In this research paper, um, it was hypothesized that adults um, would use more dark colors like browns and gray than when drawing um, or coloring when happy. They also thought that patients in manic states would be characterized by a prominence of colors. Or at the height of mania, patients could not stay seated long enough for the PPAT assessment, so their drawings would be characterized by an absence of color. Um, low color use has also been shown in organic disorders such as delirium and dementia. And finally, drawings diagnosed with schizophrenia were characterized by really bizarre color choices. I just, I just strongly disagree. I actually have a schizophrenic artist friend, and I'm sure if you sat him down and told him to draw a person picking an apple from a tree for an assessment, I mean, honestly, he's got a little OCD tick as well, and he only, only colors in black and white. Honestly, uh, most of his artwork, just it's just really interesting, is all about his characters or voices that he hears, um, his hallucinations, basically. He tries to share this with the world. He calls his characters or hallucinations architects, and they speak and guide him through his life. Um, he's also very functional. He's a functional person that takes medications. So to further classify on some of these research studies, they have something called FEATS, F-E-A-T-S, or Formal Elements Art Therapy Scale. When using feats applied to, to an art assessment, um, you should approach the artwork as if you didn't know what the image is supposed to be at all. The scales range from numbers zero to five um, in different common elements in created work. They, for example, look at prominence of color or implied energy. How much energy would it take for the therapist to recreate the drawing space, details, line quality, um, the scale was created so that crazy assumptions or jump, jumping to conclusions about the patient would not happen. 
Um, maybe this is reliable in some situations, but if you sat me down and told me to draw a person picking an apple from a tree, I might think personally that this is boring subject matter and draw something a little crazy on purpose. Like maybe we're going to have some aliens in the background. Um, like, I don't know, inciting out a cow. I mean, who knows? I, I, I hate tests like this. I'm kind of a smart, you know what? when it comes to things like this and being tested in this manner. That being said, I do think art therapy is super helpful for people working through issues. I just don't think you should judge or analyze mental health based solely on this and no one is doing that at this time. Just wanna put that out there. One paper I read talked about a study performed at a children's hospital that had kids color, you know, color a Mandela um, before going to the lab for a needle stick. And they measured the kid's heart rate and the kids that colored prior to the needle stick had a lot less anxiety. And they were found to have a lower heart rate during the needle stick, which I thought was really interesting. These are the things that are, I think art therapy should be used for. I think it should be used for psychotherapy in certain situations as well to help people work through things like if you have PTSD, basically traumatic events. It's really, really, really helpful especially if you can't in put into words how you are feeling. So I know I'm trying to like cram a lot into this podcast about art. It's because I know that I will return to regulatory rules and regs very, very soon. And this was like a little break. So I just want to, I want to get so much out there, education out there about how important it is um, to have art as part of your life. Um, you know, for instance, most of us agree that hospitals are inherently stressful and it's pretty bleak to stare at a blank wall or wait for a doctor in a cramped dark room, sick or not. We'd prefer a sunny view or a Monet watercolor. Um, yet in this air of, you know, escalating healthcare cost and the economy being so bad, um, it's important to justify spending on aesthetics and design. Can an attractive drawing or photograph reduce pain or anxiety? Um, do patients with art in their environment heal faster? Well, more and more hospitals think so, and they're putting big money behind it, transforming what were, you know was once cold and sterile spaces into mini museums and contemporary art destinations, complete with audio guides and video installations. I think it's amazing. The hospital that my father had passed away in in Louisiana a couple of years ago, um, the hallways were full of local artists. Um, they had a program for local artists to hang their art and display. It did have to be of a certain caliber of art and certain subject matter so that it would leave people feeling peaceful or, or good. And of course, the art was for sale as well through the gift shop. You can go or you could purchase prints. It was really interesting. I had trouble finding more recent percentages, and that's, I'm sure, um, a big part of that has to do with our COVID pandemic. But more than 40% of the healthcare facilities in way back in 2007 had arts programs, including musical performances, healing gardens, and art classes. Um, the Arts and Health Alliance, a Washington, D.C. nonprofit, and permanent public art, um, they had to do with permanent public art displays such as paintings and murals, were the most prevalent. 
um, hospital art has only grown in the last, you know, five to ten years. And I think there needs to be more studies, but like, you know, in a hospital setting, Roger Ulrich's landmark 1984 research revealed that the view from a surgery patient's window influenced recovery. Those who saw trees recuperated almost a full day faster and required fewer doses of pain medication than those facing a brick wall. If an art installation gets a patient out of his room or paintings take a person's mind off their pain and lower their stress levels, the art isn't just decorative anymore. In the same breath, not all, all art is going to be created equal. You know, consider somebody sitting in a cancer ward, a patient sitting in a cancer ward. They're sitting for hours of chemotherapy treatment. The right painting or photograph to reduce her anxiety or his and pain is going to be different um, than the appropriate choice for, say, a maternity ward or emergency room or even a public cafeteria. And that's where design based um, on evidence and data comes in. I always like to say, you know, create art for art's sake, but that's not always the answer in a hospital setting. Um, art doesn't also have to be terribly expensive. There's way to, uh, ways to reproduce local artists' work who uh, typically paint local scenes that trigger memories of happier times, um, creating a pause in a patient's and family's current state of mind. So again, with cost, art doesn't have to be very expensive. Like for instance, Baton Rouge General, they have a program right now. There's an open call for artists um, to exhibit in August of 2022. Um, they give you you know, what kind of medium they want, if they want watercolor, pastels, charcoal, whatever. They give you a size range. Um, they tell you that it needs to be framed and gallery wrapped um, and that plexiglass is recommended. So they have a, a surface that they can actually clean, you know, so it's joint commission or, you know, accreditation. Not going to have issues with infection control on these pieces of art. And the arts and medicine will retain 30% of all sales with proceeds going directly back into the program, which is interesting. So it's a local program that brings local artists and lets them express themselves in doctor's offices and hospitals. And they're able to sell their artwork. And that 30%, that's nothing in comparison to a gallery, I assure you. Anyway, in closing, this is just something to think about Something to like, you know, something fun. It's a more fun podcast for sure. Um, and this week, I challenge you to go get a cheap little notebook when you're feeling stressed out, you know, or you get a break, just whip that little notebook out and just doodle in it. It doesn't have to be any kind of certain content. Don't put too much pressure on the subject matter. Um, one page can be just scribbles. The next page can be just squares or stick figures or pineapples, stars, stripes, whatever makes you happy but it also will bring your focus onto something other than what's causing the stress or to at least let, let you be able to work through it and calm your emotions down. So you don't have to show anyone, just keep it for you. Burn it when you get done with it. Just make squares, circles, color them in. Maybe just jot a note or two down about how your day went. Um, I will admit I'm the worst about keeping a art notebook. Um, I usually have a masterpiece on the first page and then the second page looks like doo-doo, and I want to throw the whole book away. It's ruined to me. So I really struggle with trying to keep a, like, art journal or something like that. 
But again, it's just for you. So you have to keep that in mind. Nobody else has to look at it. It's just for you. And if you keep that in mind, you'll actually be able to finish one of these art journals. So I hope you have a great day. I hope I gave you lots to think about. And I hope this opens your mind a little bit to artwork and art therapy and psychotherapy for that matter. All right. Bye.